this employee. Not something you'd want to happen on your watch. But that is exactly what happened to the Jacksonville Jaguars thanks to a virtual card program with enough control weaknesses to make any deceitful employee green with envy. We've analyzed what happened, dissected where we think the program went wrong, and are here to share those insights with you so this doesn't happen while you are running the show. Make sure you stick around until the end when we discuss two issues that have gotten more organization into embezzlement hot water than you might imagine. And not just with cards, with all sorts of financial shenanigans. Let's start with what happened, or sh I should say allegedly happened, because although the FBI has filed charges, the case has not been tried. As soon as I realized I wanted to do a broadcast about this issue, I asked my friend and colleague Lynn Lawson from Recharged Education to join me, as she is one of the country's leading experts on all sorts of card programs, not just virtual cards. She regularly advises organizations of all sizes on practices to use so this very thing doesn't happen to them. There's a link to her website in the description. So Lynn now, real quickly, how did the embezzlement at the Jacksonville Jaguars happened. Real quickly, you actually yeah, well. want me to distill this in <laughs> 10 seconds. Uh, I, I think if you read the news stories that are out there, you can uh, you know, glean for yourself that you know, he manipulated that virtual card system, but both you and I know that it took a little digging to try to figure out exactly how was he able to purchase a condo purchase a Tesla, another vehicle, a designer watch, a country club membership, spa treatments, rent private jets, the list goes on. So the, the best we can figure is that he could manipulate the system to get a card for himself that he likely used. Now this is virtual, remember, so there was no plastic. So he used the virtual credit card to um, do some online gambling. It's all over the news that this person had a very serious gambling problem. So he would do the gambling using the card. Let's say he won from time to time, and that would probably get him the cash necessary to build up to make these lavish purchases. Okay, so Lynn, I wanna put these numbers in context uh, before we go through with you know what went right and what went wrong. The revenue for the Jaguars was $361 million in 2020, $471 million in 2021, and $517 million in 2022. That means with this $22 million, which this fraud went on for a little over three years, he averaged about $7 million a year in these uh, fraudulent transactions, So, or he's alleged to have. Um, so that means he was stealing between 1% and 2% of their revenue for a year. Uh, to my mind, that's a lot of money. What's more is if you look at 2022, the Jaguars had an operating income of $110 million. So that's even a larger piece of, my, of, of the pie, if you will. Now, we want to start going through the issues because Lynn and I have identified 10 of them, and we're going to talk about how, what you should do. But Lynn, to make sure everybody's on the same page, can you explain what a virtual card is? Well, in this particular situation, it was um, really akin to a regular plastic corporate card, purchasing card, um, you know, just issued in a, in a virtual manner to employees, um, individual employees that they could then incorporate into their mobile wallets to make the necessary online authorized business uh, purchases and deal with business expenses. And, and very convenient, it's usually very secure, uh, but as we just mentioned, it appears that he was uh, 
obtaining cards for himself and using them, obviously, in manners he should not have been, which resulted in him getting cash, and he uh, then manipulated the internal systems to disguise everything he did. But that doesn't mean, you know, these cards come with a lot of controls. Right, if you use them. Exactly. So as you will get to, we know that these uh, controls were not put into place. So issue number one, Lynn, as I see it, was had, revolves around separation of duties. And it doesn't appear to me that there was any. Oh, absolutely. Countless news stories on this, um, you know, have highlighted the fact that he was the sole administrator of the Jaguars virtual credit card program. If you are the only one doing something, no one is watching and you have way too much power to open cards, issue cards, change limits. And as we know, he just went on from there from um, you know, into disguising transactions. Okay, so issue number two, as I see it anyway, I call it moving data. Um, if I read the stories correctly, he was taking uh, reports from the banks about how the, the activity on the cards and moving them manually to an Excel spreadsheet with no one verifying uh, the accuracy of what he was doing. Um, is that, 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 that's not a good control? Well, no, and you know, he might've been actually downloading an Excel or CSV file from the bank, but either way, he resulted in having this spreadsheet that he then manipulated and changed to suit his purposes. Um, it would have been better, obviously, back to separation of duties for someone else to be downloading uh, the, the file and, and turning it over to accounting and, and he wouldn't have had access to do that. So in your mind, if someone has a card, then they should not be involved in, in uh, uh, some of the reporting and verification of the data? You know, that's a big question mark and I know organizations have gone both ways on that. I mean, my personal opinion is try to avoid it, uh, but if you absolutely have to have a card uh, in the hands of an administrator, then for sure you need even more controls. And obviously that didn't happen in right. this case. So issue number three, which we've kind of talked about a little bit, um, revolves around not only a human uh, entering the data, but actually his ability to change the data. Um, so he was able to take one of his own transactions like we were talking before we started, you know, he could have a gambling uh, debit and he could change that to travel or something. Um, not good, I guess. Well, absolutely not. You, you don't want people changing data. And I would say not just in this case, but in so many fraudulent cases I read about, one thing that organizations fail to do time and again is to have somebody, a separate somebody, get a file or a report directly from the card issuer and compare it to the um, organization's internal systems and records. If they got it right from the source, you'd be able to see where he was really charging with, and you would quickly uncover, if you were doing this regularly, quickly uncover um, everything that he had changed. So what I call issue number four, and I call it budget reconciliations, it, appear, it, it would seem to me, and from the organizations I've worked at, that you do some sort of reconciliation between actual and budget, and with his manipulating of the data, it would seem that some of the budgets should have been way out of whack. Oh, absolutely. That's another, absolutely. That, that, that's my, be my word during this podcast. But yes, you need to have some accountability put on budget reps. Again, this is any organization, not just this one. So anyone listening to this should go back into their own organizations to say, hey, are we holding our budget reps accountable for looking at how things are faring as the year goes on? Yeah. Okay. Issue number five, I call it audit. 
um, you might call it something else, but I would think that when the outside auditors came in to prepare financial for the financial statements, they would have pulled some transactions. So either they didn't do it, or maybe they were asking him to pull the transactions, which that's kind of scary. Well, that could be. And again, are they pulling anything from the system of origin? That right. being the card issuer, you know, the unadulterated form of the, the activity going on. And it does beg the question of whether or not they had auditors at all. Well, I, I suspect they did because I think they are, well, I don't know, I shouldn't talk. Okay, all right, so issue number six, and not everybody is gonna agree with this one, but I think there should have been some red flags. This fraud went on from September, 2019 through February, 2023. And you know, most of us for most of 2020 and most of 2021, very little travel, almost no entertainment uh, because of COVID. Um, yet, you know, that was when the, you know, the bulk of this fraud occurred, or at least I think the bulk of it occurred. Shouldn't some of these expenses have raised some red flags? I think that's very true in most organizations. But as I recall, the NFL continued yeah. to play, at least maybe they did they play. Were, yeah. yeah, they were delayed maybe initially, but otherwise they were playing and um, I guess I assume they were still making travel arrangements, but still, I would think it would have been curtailed or minimized where his ongoing usage, as you have already pointed out, was blowing the budget away, right. probably. I mean, we don't have right. all the insight. So Lynn, you know what I always wonder with these frauds? How did they find it? How was it uncovered? <laughs> I know, and they're always very stingy with the details on this. I was just going to say that no matter what article we were looking at, it was really hard to, to find. Uh, I did hear a little news clip, um, I believe it was from NBC, that indicated, but not real explicitly, that maybe it was through an investigation related to gambling. Yeah. Since the NFL has very strict rules for employees about gambling, especially sports gambling, sports right. betting, and they might have been looking at that angle and then discovered this employee's um, very serious gambling problem, which likely led to the uncovering of, of the charges and the things he was doing. Yeah. So issue number seven, and this may or may not be an issue. Um, we've never talked about this, and I'm curious to see what you think about it. What, who is an appropriate administrator for the PCOD? In our experience, yours and mine, and the people we run into, it usually is something that ends up in either purchasing or accounts payable. But this person seemed to be a financial analyst. And you know, a lot of times I'll say it's less about the department in which they reside and more about um, what the duties are, what the organizational structure is. It, it, there's no mention of who he reported to. Right. Uh, you know, I, there were statements put out there that no one else appeared to be involved. Right. But yet you would think his direct manager boss would at least be monitoring what he did all the time. Uh, you know, even if there, there should have been reporting related to the uh, status of the program, so many different ways um, his fraudulent activity could have emerged, and clearly it didn't. It went on for three years or more than $22 million later. But um, yeah, the, the job itself, I mean, you have to have a backup, the separation of duties, you know, you've mentioned that, the right management structure, oversight, all of that. Um, but, you know, truly that the department's less you know, important than all these other factors, the controls. Okay, so before we get to the control that didn't work and issues impacting all sorts of occupational card fraud, not just virtual card fraud, I'd like to suggest that if you are finding value in this broadcast 
and or are interested in the most current best practices impacting the accounts payable and or payment function, that you hit that subscribe button. Hitting the notification button will also alert YouTube to send you notices whenever we post new content, which we do two or three times a week. And of also, also we appreciate your thumbs up. Okay, Lynn, I call this issue number eight, the control that didn't work. So you've probably heard me talk till I'm blue in the face about mandatory vacations and everybody should be required to take five consecutive days off for vacation if they work in or manage or have responsibility for either accounts payable or payments. But I'm not sure that would have stopped this. I don't know. It just meant someone else would have been doing his job for a week. If we take your example of five consecutive days, would they have noticed anything? Probably not. They would have been too busy just processing or maybe they wouldn't have needed to do anything if it wasn't like a month end close or something like that. And I would suspect he'd be smart enough not to take vacation whenever those big reports had to be done. So that, that's really a good point that now, Mary, you can add to your soapbox, not just the mandatory vacation, but it should happen at key times like a month end. Right, at key times, which yeah. is, of course, you know, you try and encourage employees to take vacation when things are slow. But yeah, it's, but, right, yeah. but you know, people are able to hide things better when it's a busy time. And so it, it, issue number nine, and this is, has nothing to do with virtual cards, but everything to do with all sorts of um, positions within the organization. It's, you know, the trusted employee uh, situation time and time again, all sorts of occupational fraud. They uh, find out when it finally unravels. And I say finally, because these things like this go on for years, that it was a long-term trusted employee. Now he wasn't long-term, he'd only started about a year before the fraud started, but he was a trusted employee. Any well, comments? Yeah, I, this is so hard to figure out, you know, because we know that it is new employees, long-time employees, really it boils down to anyone is capable of committing a fraud like this. So it's more about the controls in place. But yes, if you are relying on the fact of, oh, he'd been around for a year before we put him into this position, he had already, it sounds like, performed in other positions, so they moved him into this one. That's all well and good, but you don't put a, one person in charge of every aspect of uh, any sort of payment strategy, you know, cards or not. Yeah. So it, it really blows my mind. It's like the, the Jaguars having only one quarterback and no one else available to right. play in that quarterback. <laughs> Right, and then he gets injured in the first game. Yeah, there you go. There, there's just a lack of controls here. And anyone who's got a fantasy football team who's done that knows that that exactly. is that that's a big no. You don't have to oh. understand virtual cards to know yeah. you have to have controls. And then I call um, issue number ten. I call it the silent killer issue, which apparently I am the only one I've ever heard talk about. This is that employees, when you have a weakness in your system. The people who know about it the best are, are your employees. And it always reminds me when I was a kid, if I get locked out of the house, which happened from time to time, I knew that my parents had a window on the side of the house that, that didn't lock for whatever reasons. And I just grabbed the garbage can and go and climb up on it and, and climb into the house. And, you know, anybody could have done that, but you'd have to know about, you know, where this was. And in this case, when you have a weakness within your organization, your employees know about it, as this guy did. Well, right, and I wonder if this was a new program, and so they had no awareness, perhaps, of best practices. I don't know, but, you know, any accounts payable function is well aware of controls, and those same controls 
like separation of duty should have, uh, you know, applied here. So did they not think through this? Where, you know, there, there's got to be other gaps in their organization in terms of these business operations. Yeah. I, I just, you really have to wonder. But if he took over for someone else, well, I don't know. I, I don't want to speculate, but right. we already know from the, the stories that this was just a disaster waiting to happen. Right. And so, you know, everyone, every organization from the CEO down should realize that you don't want to put temptation in front of front of anybody. So, okay. So I call it the silent killer issue. Okay. So as we've alluded to, and Lynn has talked about, virtual cards are just one of a number of different kinds of cards. And in fact, uh, she sat down and talked with us about 11 different types of card programs. You can watch this very informative discussion right now. I'm um, using the link that has appeared on your YouTube screen and is in the description.